A writer encounters the owner of an aging high-class hotel who tells him of his early years serving as a lobby boy in the hotel's glorious years under an exceptional concierge. This is Movie Time Machine. Welcome to Movie Time Machine, where we take movies from the past and relive them in the present. This week's movie is The Grand Budapest Hotel, released in the year 2014. Directed and written by Wes Anderson. But before we get into our movie discussion today, I want to introduce you to my Time Machine guest and co-host. I want to introduce you to Casey. Hello. James. Hi. Chris. I'm the guest. And Jamie. Present. All right. Thank you for joining me today in their discussion about Wes Anderson's film, The Grand Budapest Hotel. But before I do our movie discussion, we always like to go around, talk about kind of what we've been watching, maybe playing or listening to. So um, I'll go ahead and go first, if that's okay. Um, I just recently had the opportunity to watch 1917. um, And wow, that was a really cool movie. I'm not a big... so good. Yeah, not a big like war movie guy. um, But... It was just a really cool experience to watch um, without any cuts. And yeah, like the the story was really intriguing. I felt like it was really well acted. Um, and yeah, I mean, just the, the way that it was shot was really, really neat. Um, so yeah, I would strongly encourage you, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Night no, great. Casey, what have you been up to? Man, nothing that cool. We haven't really been watching anything. Um, I've been having to work a lot of late nights, so uh, it's been mostly beachfront bargain hunt. A lot of HGTV in the background as I'm working. Playing any more Zelda? Dude, I wish. And not only am I halfway <laughs> through Zelda, I'm also still halfway through Half-Life Alex. I haven't been able to get back to my VR game. Are you Man. playing Breath of the Wild? No, I... Well funny story about breath of the wild i played it through it on the wii u got to the very end got to the ganondorf fight and then said huh i'm gonna do side quest stuff first never finish it so i haven't actually completed it i then started replaying it on my switch and then i pivoted to play um, links awakening to the past sorry links awakening oh Uh, so good that was super fun i got like two dungeons in and i haven't gone back yet i do have my switch here at the in-laws so maybe we'll get to play that this weekend cool maybe we should do a mario kart party Oh yeah, I don't I don't own that on cart, um, but I think okay. my brother does, and he's gonna give me his copy so I can play online with you. Sweet, we'll set that up sometime. Hey James, what have you been up to? Uh, I've actually I just red boxed uh, the latest Terminator movie, uh, The Dark Fate. Uh, so I don't know if anybody else has watched that yet, uh, but it takes place like right after Terminator Two. Uh, and whoever they found to do like the doubles for Sarah Connor, like younger version and, um, Edward Furlong, like John Connor's character was crazy. Like it, they looked identical. I know it was only like a quick two minute throwaway scene, but it was, it definitely wasn't CGI. You could tell that it was like actual actors and actresses. So, um, but no, it was just as entertaining as I would want a Terminator movie to be. So I was satisfied, but otherwise nothing crazy. Just been watching a lot of new girl before bed. So is that one, is that where they kind of basically retconned all these other Terminator movies? Is And this is like the true sequel to T2? Supposedly, like, yeah. sanctioned by uh, James Cameron. Who knows how it all works out. Like, But they, they definitely made it, like, where if it did really well, they could play it off and 
make more like just like any other Terminator movie. But um, what's well, time that, travel? So you can say it's well, it's uh, the time travel branched off into separate timelines. Well, that's the thing is like because like <laughs> it, in this one, I mean, you know that like Linda Hamilton is older, right? In this film, so like one of the comments is like. They call like, her hey, Linda Hamilton. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they're just like uh, Sarah Connor's character is just like you know to another main character, you know, like hey, what time, like what year are you from? And they're like, oh, I'm from this, you know, year 2046. And then she's like, like what's Skynet doing now? And she's like, I've never heard of Skynet. And they're like, it's called Legion. And you're like, okay, so now this is the new thing. Like where if this movie does well, Legion's just gonna be sending more Terminators from different you know future times. So. Um, but I don't think it did that great, so we'll just see what happens next with the Terminator sagas. All right, Jamie, what's up? I've been so my youngest daughter, who's four months old. It's really great when they start sleeping through the night. What really sucks is when they uh, relapse. So we're on a we're on a backwards trajectory here, but that means that uh, for her three in the morning, four in the morning bottles, we've been watching a lot of the uh, Clone Wars together on Disney Plus. Oh yeah, did you start mm-hmm. from the beginning then? Yeah, yeah, I never yeah. started and tried to watch it all the way through. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm on episode five, I think. All right. Yeah, that's on my list, my bucket list. There it is. <laughs> Yeah, I just jumped right into this last season of seven or season seven and watched like a few of the episodes and like watched the last four. It was great. I was like, I need to go back and rewatch all this. I couldn't do that. I'm such a completionist. I'd have to start from the beginning. Yeah, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, What about Chris? Chad, who's next? I think Chris from Wits already. Yep. Right. Um. Like it's me. I've been watching, or it was I watched. It was like a just a six episode season. I think there's going to be a season two um, of the show called Betty on HBO, and it's just it focuses on like a group of uh, female uh, skaters in New York City, and they're all like really young. I can't tell if it's like they're maybe they're all like all in their early twenties or late teens or whatever. But <clears throat> it's pretty interesting. Um, just the first couple episodes like start off kind of they're kind of weird. You kind of see that they're kind of getting a feel with like the of what they're doing and like it, it ends very well. Hope to do a second season. It's pretty interesting. I guess it's based off the, it's the same characters in this movie called Skate Kitchen, um, which is currently on Hulu. Um, it's basically like kind of a retelling of that. But um, yeah, it's very cool. You know, it's kind of kind of didn't know what to expect and one of the characters, I guess for me personally, kind of reminded me of an old friend of mine and kind of has like her same kind of like characteristics and mannerisms. So it's kind of gave me like a little nostalgia there, but yeah, I'd definitely check it out. And like each episode is like 20, 25 minutes too. So you can go through it pretty quick. That's what I've been watching. And that's what we, that's what we've been watching. So let's get into the topic of the week. Uh, Wes Anderson's movie, the grand Budapest hotel. Had a box office of 100, or had a budget of 25 million. In the box office, it came in with 172.9 million, which is a huge movie. It was released on March 7th of 2014. Uh, Ebert gave this four stars. It has an 88 uh, percent rating on me, uh, Metacritic. Rotten Tomatoes has a critic of 91 percent. Um, 
audience score of 86%. IMDb has it at an 8.1 out of 10. So huge movie. I think this is Wes's biggest movie ever as far as box office is concerned. I don't think anything else he's had has even come close to that or even broken the 100 million mark as far as box office is concerned. So yeah, let's just dive very in. Like what, like movies that came out in 2014, what was this it up 2014 against? is one of my other favorite movies. Yeah. One of my other top movies ever, Interstellar came out in 2014 oh yeah space likes everything space oh, casey yeah. some classics though transformers age of extinction hobbit battle of five armies <laughs> as being facetious those are the top two and they're both not great those are the amazing top two I, wow wait K- amazing spider-man casey, you might be the only other person that likes interstellar with me oh dude that's one of the greatest movies ever man that's one of my favorite oh, i love interstellar oh do you really okay yeah good. oh hey, come I'm on people company. love that movie that's a nolan man that's Wait not, a minute. People don't dog Chad that, is do agreeing they? with all of us so far. I bet yeah, Chris hates a it. Nolan. He's a Nolan's his own. Why, why haven't we done Nolan yet? Is, is he do mainstream? Everyone's seen all of his movies. Uh, I, I, know, I love I, Nolan. I have seen all of his movies. <laughs> you hate Nolan? No, I love Nolan. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know Tenet, his newest one, should be coming out. Is that coming out later this summer? My head. I have no, no idea it got, what it's going to be about. It got postponed. Yeah, it got postponed. Oh, it's going to be sweet. Um, another yeah for 2014 Edge of Tomorrow I loved Gone Girl John Wick Ooh, Gone Girl see we got Guardians of the Galaxy Ex Machina uh, Birdman so yeah did Ex did anybody Machina's see Nightcrawler yeah no, was that about the X-Men character no unfortunately <laughs> no. not <laughs> no. boo no I, I do I do love that X-Men character though to be fair but yeah, no, it's it's a good thriller. James, did you say you saw it? I had seen it. Um, it is a good thriller. It definitely, it's it was something new for Jill and Hall, in my opinion. It brought it brought me back to kind of a Donnie Darko version of him. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he gets a little scary. All right, I have to maybe check that one out. Nightcrawler. Yeah, put that on your bucket list too. My bucket list, yeah, <laughs> because I'm seventy years old and dying soon. No, that one's. I've always heard good things about Nightcrawler. It should be on my list too. Yeah, it's good. Hey, Chris. Um, yes. Do you have any favorite movies that came out in 2014 that start with the letter T? <laughs> favorite? No. Um, <laughs> worth the watch? Absolutely. Uh, a movie <laughs> <that> by. <laughs> no, it's a movie by Kevin Smith called Tusk. Oh my oh, God. Tusk. <laughs> Tusk came out. <laughs> Um, it's worth a watch. It's interesting. Also, Jake Gyllenhaal, you know, something different. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh. I mean, what's, the, uh, what's the... Oh, X-Men Days of Future movie? Past. The main guy. Justin Long. Yeah, Justin, Justin Long. Long. I do love me some Justin Long. So even yeah, if nothing else, I think he's entertaining enough that... I think to see... Well, is it a spoiler to say the walrus suit? But at least to see the damn thing is worth probably watching it. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm... I have a gross, grotesque level of interest. It's on Netflix. I uh, just recently did like oh. a Netflix watch party with uh, two others uh, to make them watch it. Just watch I wanted Tusk. to understand what to their reaction. Yeah, because I wanted to know what their reaction to this movie would be. Because I think it's super just bizarre and funny. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not the worst movie, but it's not good. Kevin Smith has definitely like declined. 
Is it one of those? Is it like not good? Like, oh, my God, it's really hard to like sit through. Or is it like one of those movies that's like not good, but you can still kind of sit and watch it? It's still like entertaining. Tusk would be the quintessential movie that Jamie would love to watch. It's like a killer clown from (laughs) outer space where it is not a it's like it's a C or D rated horror movie. It's not super good, Um, but like it keeps your attention. Like the story, like the story is really interesting. And if you if you know, like um, Kevin Smith does a podcast called the Smodcast, um, and basically how this movie came about is, and they talk about it in the Smodcast, so you should check that out too. But um, he talks about basically hearing that um, there was some dude in Canada that put a um, a Craigslist ad on saying, "Hey, I'm looking for a roommate." Um, I will give you free room and board and food. You just have to dress up in the walrus um, outfit f- for like a couple hours a day or I don't know, a couple hours a week. Um, and then like you don't have to pay me anything. And he saw that and like that's what basically sparked his idea for this movie, um, which I think is absolutely bizarre and incredibly funny that this is based on a real Craigslist ad <laughs> where somebody was trying to convince you know yeah it's basically it like it's exactly what chris said and then him and scott Mosier, um another guy in the podcast basically are like hi and just go on this rant of the possibilities of like who this person would is like what they would have to do and they're just like giddy and giggly the whole time but it just makes it it's just so <laughs> funny and it's super like, funny. I actually <laughs> i saw tusk and was mortified and then I listened to this podcast and I could not stop laughing. And so I'm like, now I want to go back and rewatch Tusk. Oh my God, you guys, that could be the first podcast that we do where it's a live viewing event. Um, the four of us watch Tusk together. Yeah. I didn't we know we were that. talking about we could, doing that. That'd be hilarious. We could stream it on Twitch. <laughs> there we go. Uh, you're no, so hip. No, you're we'll with it, Chad. It we're back together when we can stop being distanced socially. Yeah, that's not going to we'll happen anytime masks. soon. Yeah, <laughs> we set up everything was so like this. So, hey, Casey, tell me what your opinion on this movie is. That's the COVID edition. Yeah, the COVID edition. <laughs> okay, fine. We can do an online watch party, but I think that's a great idea to watch something completely ridiculous. Oh so no, I meant it? like actually like watch it together, but we'll yeah. stream it us watching it together yeah. on Twitch. Yeah, I think that's hilarious. Yeah. So isn't Tusk oh, just like fan service though? Like, didn't they do it just to appease their podcast fans because they riffed on it for so long? I think so. I think it was kind like, of a. I think it was um, meant to be bad. Like, if bad, you yeah, I think it's for credits for Tusk. It, it's like, hey, a special thanks to, and it's like anybody who's like signed into a Twitter account involving Kevin Smith. It's like at this person, at this person. Sure. And then it'd be nice. You just have like money to throw away or like, Hey, we're just going to make a random film because of this topic that we've brought up randomly on our podcast. <laughs> I'm sure it had to get funded in some way. That's like, um, go for it. Uh, Jamie, probably that Weinstein money. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, I was just wondering how does Tusk compare on the enjoyability bad scale to, did anyone see yoga hosers? No. no, I haven't been able to get <laughs> that. Looks even weirder. It, it, it's rough. I like. I wouldn't recommend it, but no, I just wonder where it is. I'm gonna go ahead and say every then it's two months, better. I give it another twenty minutes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> is it kind of like uh, Frankenhooker? You know, it's like yeah, it's I like the movie Teeth. It, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's 
probably, it probably is more like the movie Teeth. So Whiplash came out in 2014 too. I thought that was a really good film. Oh, was that the Roller Girl film? No, no, that's, no, no that no. was the percussionist one. <laughs> Whiplash is the J.K. Simmons whip it. one. Yeah, Whip It. Yeah, I own yeah, that one. It. And then did that did um, that actually, that won that year? Didn't it? Didn't Whiplash win? I uh, was. J.K. Simmons did. I think. Okay. I can't tell you the last time a movie made me like physically. The last like ten minutes, I didn't realize it until it ended that I was clenching my fists. Like, I can't tell you the last time a, a movie like physically made me react. So that I thought that was phenomenal. Like the last. 15, 20 minutes, the tension and like the payoff of that movie. Oh, it's just too good. Has everyone seen Whiplash? I haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, really man. good. Yeah. I'd I give it a watch. It. I think it's, it's definitely worth it. And I thought it was a phenomenal film. Just yeah. quick on 2014 films. Also Fury came out. Did anybody see that? That was like my favorite war movie after. No. Forever Ryan for a long time. Really? What about platoon? Shia LaBeouf serious role. Say Wasn't that again. Fury. Wasn't Shia LaBeouf in that? He was. Red Pitt. Yeah. Was that his like first serious role since Even it's, Stevens? No. Oh, I don't, I don't think I'm it's his first serious role. I just a dick and wanted to make an Even Stevens reference. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm a big Shia fan. I love Shia LaBeouf. Me too. James, like, what in, about in Platoon? A... <laughs> I've never seen Platoon. Oh, God. You should watch Platoon. Hey, um, Casey, if you don't like violence, then how did you feel about Grand Budapest Motel as this was the most violent <laughs> Grand Budapest Mo- yeah. Motel, it's the absolutely. prequel to Hotel. <laughs> right. It's absolutely the most violent Wes Anderson. It's the uh, it's the only R-rated Wes Anderson, I think, too, isn't it? And no I way. Think but no it's way. Rushmore's, Rushmore's got to be R. No. Each one of his films has... R. Yeah, they all have, like, every one of his films has tits. Oh, that it's... yeah, that does it. It's, <laughs> this it, this is the most um, cursing in any of his movies, and I actually think that is is uh, I think it's warranted. This is like the darkest, um, in my opinion. Like Wes Anderson, we we've been talking about the glitz and the style and the colors. This one does, definitely has a darker color palette um, and a kind of darker ish subject matter when we're talking about murder and and all that. Um, but yeah, the. Yeah. My favorite, one of my favorite parts, um, speaking of just the, the cursing, is I feel like Adrian Brody just drops fuck in every scene that he's in, and it just feels a little out of place, but also just funny. I don't know. I love every all of his like angsty lines when he's just swearing and it's out of place. Yeah, it's really fitting for that character, though, I yeah. think. Like, it does, that's why it doesn't feel like too crazy or out of place for that. So, did anyone see this for the first time? Yeah, me. I'll, yeah, this I, was my first time too. Okay. Well, I, I'm gonna. What did you think? I haven't. Think, I don't think we've gone around and just talked. I yeah. I was, actually, I was just telling. <clears throat> I was just telling uh, Jamie this earlier today because we're kind of chatting about it, and I was like, the, the after I finished it, I was like, I I really enjoyed this movie. It's fun to watch. It's beautiful. I was like, I don't know what it's really about. <laughs> so <laughs> actually, I, I actually then I went back and I. I just had it on in the background while I was working today and kind of picking up on parts on it or parts of it. And, and I really liked it. It's, it's, you know, again, it's like, again, this is something new. I was like, Oh, Wes Anderson really does have like these, um, father figure or like absent father kind of things that are really like apparent in his films. And we see it in this one too. And 
um, I really liked how when they did the flashback scenes, they changed the aspect ratio too of the screen. You go from like the widescreen to like the the kind of square mm-hmm. aspect ratio for like the flashback stuff, and I really like that added like stylistic choice in that too, and because it almost made it like you're watching like an old film. The score is awesome, and I think the score is different than a lot of Wes's films too, because the Wes usually, for the most part, pulls in kind of like. He's like a lot of classic rock or something mm-hmm. that has like some kind of electro or like, you know, electronic vibe to it. It's very different. It's kind of like a typical like kind of blockbuster movie score, I would say. But yeah, I just I just love this kind of artistic. It's just it's a pretty film. It's 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 a fun film to watch. And I just again, it's just another, you know, great example of Wes Anderson his his filming style i guess you could almost say that they're all the same in a way just like how just like the symmetry and how everything is focused and mm-hmm. centered on screen but yeah i enjoyed the characters and the cast is awesome again and yeah it was a lot of fun even though it has like the dark moments but i feel like even like the violent parts in it are they're not like it's not like gore or anything like that so it's it's like it's not it's as whimsical violence. Which yeah, yeah, whimsy. yeah, yeah. It's so it's kind of good, clean, fun violence. <laughs> but well, I just like and, the the made up world, like the country and everything. It it all just kind of fits, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Well, it, I think what lends itself to not knowing to your point of saying, "I don't know what I just watched. What is this about?" Um, the movie starts with uh, a, a girl holding a book, looking at the statue of an author. And you flash back to the author who is recounting a time. He, it's like you're three or four storylines or generations deep. Um, and, and what is the story? Is the story about uh, the lobby boy who becomes the owner? Is it about the author telling the story about this conversation he had? Is it really about um, the concierge who he's actually the, the main character of the whole thing? So I think that probably lends itself to the, the confusion. But I actually think that's... I think that's goofy, and I, I like that it's kind of purposely confusing. Isn't isn't the entire story about how he acquired the Budapest Hotel? Like, yes, yeah, okay, I, yeah. I think so, that's so we know what the, the story's about. Story. We know what the movie's about. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. just the way that they tell it and the viewpoint of which they do it. I mean, right? It, it's him. It's about him, but they're really following the main character of of what Ralph finds who's the one that you're kind of following is the main protagonist. But then also the driving force of the story is the author who's listening and writing the story. And then every once in a while, you're kind of pulled back out of it when you pull back to them eating dinner together. Um, and it kind of pauses the story. Um, so I love just being able to dive in and out um, of those different timelines. I thought that was just a really unique way to do it. But I think that lends itself to saying, what was this even about? Chris, it was your first time too. What did you think? Yeah, um, I actually really like this movie. I think that there's still things that I found to be, again, typical Wes Anderson style pieces that I found annoying, like that first shot where you see the girl walking to the um, to the the author's um, God. What do you call that? I can't even think Lust? of it. His what? Statue? Yeah, exactly. Like statue from the chest up. Yeah, and she just walks past like the three people on the bench, all dressed in black. Like that's just a weird stylistic thing that I don't understand why that's there. Um, like, so I think stylistically, 
there's still things that are very much Wes Anderson-esque. Um, but I really like this movie. I thought this was a really good movie. Um, there was still a lot of campiness and just things that I, I don't know, but I feel like it didn't take me out of the movie as much as some of his other ones. I agree with both of you in, I thought this was one of the more unique ways of telling the story, which I thought was really cool. I I really liked um, the way that the story was told and and having it kind of go back and forth and um, having Jude Jude Law's character be there as, as a reporter and being interested and, I don't know. I, I thought this movie was really good. I continue to find things again that just don't that I don't enjoy or that I don't like or that do not hit me in regards to aesthetic um, with Wes Anderson, and that happened multiple times in this movie. But I thought for me, this movie really—I um, don't know. I, I just thought the story was really unique and interesting. The way that they told it kept me engaged the entire time. So I enjoyed this movie thoroughly. Well, I'm glad that I picked this one. Then I'm glad that we could find a West that you enjoyed. Um, I think I think you're right. It it is a little. I think the colors that maybe throw you off are a little more subdued, or because the palette is more of a, a darker palette. I think um, might make it feel less uh, overblown and like high contrast. Mm-hmm. Did anybody watch um, Fantastic Mr. Fox? Has anybody seen that one? Like Chris, have you seen that one? I, don't know, I was just thinking, like, I've not seen this that. one. It made me feel yeah, like, very that. much like that movie, like the way it was shot, which is interesting because it's like the other one is a claymation or stop go animation, however you want to do it. But this, this one's shot with humans, and it felt like that, like during like a lot of the chase scenes and such. I don't know. Maybe that was just me. Yeah, I think they speed some stuff up or do something with the frame rate because, yeah, I get that vibe too, especially like the sledding scene um, when they're like chasing him down the ski hill or whatever. Uh, that one specifically, but then a few other spots. Yeah, it feels like they mess with the frame rate to give it almost a stop yeah. motion feel. Yeah, definitely. A lot of stop motion in this, though. <laughs> or not stop motion, but like, like kind of like miniature, like is that props. Shift? They the is ski scene thing? they actually were was on a on a model. Oh, okay. And so like they had like they had like the camera like falling down. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Kind of like how they did Star Wars in a trench run. <laughs> it's an homage. Star Wars, ding ding. I want to see a Wes Anderson directed Star Wars series. That'd be about um, the day in the life of characters in Moss Eisley's Cantina. Just throw away characters on the side. I think yeah. that would play very That's well, great. Chad. I'd watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Like like one episode is about the band, you know, and what would one's about the bartender like with a broken nose, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd have a good like SNL skit right there, like where each week they do another movie with a like with a different director. So this week it's Star Wars featuring Wes Anderson and just this whole gimmick, and then the next one is like Scorsese. Everyone gets dies, and I don't know. They yeah, can, they could do that for a while. <laughs> like the Wes Anderson one would be like where like somebody like takes Panda Baba's arm after it gets sliced off and does something crazy. <laughs> like keeps like it in tur- a box. Turns it into a unicycle and like it's yeah. the seat. <laughs> right, and it's like, right. what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Makes it into a hat. <laughs> uh, I think ultimately though, like this is probably one of my favorite Wes ones. Um, I just think 
I feel like it's like an original story. Like I was saying before in the other podcast, like I feel like Wes has really built a name for himself where he's somebody that people just want to work with to say they've been in a Wes Anderson film and uh, like getting more to that. It's kind of similar to why people want to be in Quentin Tarantino films. It's just original content written and directed by these um, directors and they are doing something different with the shots or they have their scenes very, a very specific way. Um, And and no offense to like M night Shyamalan, but no one's like lining up to work with this dude anymore. But like, he, he was like, like these are like different writer directors that I think people are lining up to work with because it's original and it's, right. and it's fun. And, uh, and it's like a different take. It's just like a new experience. Um, and we're at the point where, um, you know, if you're gonna watch Oscars or not, it seems like if, you know, if a Wes Anderson movie is, in like in the mix that year like somebody well like because he's got this such a like this um bankroll of great actors these days that just want to work with them or or that want to come back that they are gonna go like that somebody's gonna be nominated so he's automatically wes anderson movies will always be nominated for an oscar in one sense or the other whether it's original screenplay or it is the actual actors doing the job so i don't know it's kind of interesting in that way but no i enjoyed this movie yeah, and I think it's almost to a point where he's running out of roles to fill with cameos. I mean, look at uh, Harvey Keitel is just a random prisoner that helps him helps them escape. Uh, you've got like Bill Murray is just that random concierge guy. Even that scene where um, he calls Bill Murray to like get to rescue them after they break out of prison. How many different places did they call, and was that all just so that they could get more random people in to the movie? Yeah, that's that's totally my thoughts too. Because that's where we get they pull like Bill Murray in, and some Bob of the other Balaban. Classics, some of the guys. Yeah, some of those other guys that are in West movies. Yeah, was it the something of the Cross Keys or yeah. the Society of the Cross Keys? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It was like something out of like a Scooby Doo cartoon or something. And I didn't put it together until right now that that old lady was Tilda Swinson, Swinton. I know that blew my mind. Oh, no way. Yeah, I had no idea. She looks so (laughs) different, like in super old lady makeup. Yeah. So did... Wait, never mind. Question answered. What was the question? (laughs) No, I was like, who actually killed her? But I was like, can we actually find that out? Oh, I thought it was who directed this film. Yeah. (laughs) Chaz Banderson. (laughs) Well, and there's also uh, Jason Schwartzman's little role in the mo- not the most present timeline but the um jude law timeline where he's the like lobby boy guy i love his little cameo character i think he's hilarious smoking in the in the front desk mr jean but i'm a big jason schwartzman guy yeah he's just kind of in the beginning and that's it isn't isn't he mm-hmm. that kind of opening scene yeah yeah he kind of wes anderson kind of pulls like even um the uh was that the guy that's the seek I can't yeah, remember, I don't his, remember name. his name, but yeah, he's in like everything. He was the camera guy in Aquatic, right? So, Jamie, did you give us your? Not yet. Um, yeah, I I absolutely love this movie. I I think I gave it four stars on Letterbox, but I think it's more of like a four and a half or five. It's um, yeah, just there's so much, so many layers. Like you guys were saying, the story within a story within a story. That there's something new every time I watch it, and trying to think what it was this time um i really liked uh saoirse ronan's character she's great man everything she's in i'm on board um 
I can't think of her name in the movie. The baker. What's her name? Agatha. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um. And the prison break scene. That's just yeah. Ray finds in prison is hilarious for yeah. so many reasons. <laughs> so him walking around with the porridge cart. And, yeah. Oh, just need a little so bit of salt. Yeah. Some warm porridge. You with the giant scar on the face. Scar on the face. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and you're bringing up uh, other good characters. I thought um, Zero, the lobby boy, like just he was hilarious to me. The fact that he's like penciling in his mustache in the morning before going to work um, and just the way that I don't know. I loved his character a lot, too, as the the younger lobby boy. Well, what are your favorite characters? So you said the lobby boy for you, Casey. It's I mean, it's a tie between him and, and Ralph Fiennes, I think, uh, just I don't know the the quirkiness of that concierge and how like his uh, his weird way that he has to be needed by these old women and like courts them and and I think Zero even said at one point it was almost as though he felt it was his like job to do it I thought that was just so funny um, and obviously like the key driver of the story but um, I think between the two of them um, I thought they were really funny I thought Willem Dafoe's uh, like thug bad guy was was. <laughs> super hilarious and over the top just that what did he have like uh he stuck his jaw kind of funny he just looked gross he looked like yeah like an underbite yeah yeah a weird underbite so yeah i thought that was great too guy i love the scene with him where he like um where he chops the dude's fingers off in the door jeff goldblum Goldblum, yeah i was gonna say deputy kovac sick that's got to be my favorite character only for chris yeah he was great only for chris Chris? jeff goldblum Love Jeff Goldblum. Um, no, I think I really enjoyed Ralph Fiennes' character. I thought, you know, you were talking about Zero, and I think one of the things early when they were showing one of the montages of um, of Ralph Fiennes' character was basically, like, people kept coming back for him. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting of, like, you know, doing your job so well. And, like, he was clearly a very disciplined individual. Um yeah, I don't know. I found his his character fascinating and just what he was about and again how he used his influence in the industry to get ahead and to to get what he needed. I I think about the the scene with Edward Norton where they're on the train, they're getting beat up um and then all of a sudden Edward um recognizes him as the concierge from the Grand Budapest and he recognizes him as Albert, and so he gets his get-out-of-jail-free card. So, I don't know. I, I found his character really interesting and, and probably, yeah, very, very fascinating. And that's actually a, a good point, too, that the way that he even interacts with the soldiers, he's like a classic old gentleman. And mm-hmm. just even as they are, you know, uh, boarding the train and, and being really aggressive, he's just like, evening, gentlemen, like as soon as they open the door. Like, I think that's just hilarious. Yeah. Well, I think Chad before. Oh, Casey, what did you say? No, go ahead. I I just was gonna say, um, Chad, before when you were wondering what this movie was about, I and what you guys were talking about with Gustav, and I didn't have this thought on my own. I was just kind of researching stuff online. What is this movie about? But I think it's that um, kind of person like before fascism really came in, like the guy who took pride in his job, pride in other people was willing to stand up and do the right thing. And there's some line in there. It's like he wasn't born in the right time or like 
you know, he he was better than the time he was born or something like that. So I think it was just kind of there's something there about, you know, having pride in your work and going above and beyond and, you know, caring about the person you're training in while all these terrible things are happening within the world around you. I don't know. I, I really uh, was kind of watching for that this time. Yeah, and I loved the the random breakout into poetry. Like that just became a staple between not just him, but him and Zero and even uh, Agatha, where during a time where they wanted to express something, it would, it would just stop and do free-flowing poetry. I thought that was yeah. really funny. Yeah. Like such a civilized way to <clears throat> express uh, your emotion. Let me stop and uh, and try to tell what I'm thinking through, you know, beautiful poetry or whatever. I just thought that was really funny. Civilized. That was the word I couldn't come up with, but I was scrambling for civilized. All right. What about favorite scenes? Kind of random, but just the the scene where the cable cars are coming together, where they're they're still trying to escape, and they jump from cable car to cable car mid air. The the monks all saying the same, asking who he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like the scene where like the cable car goes up and it stops and it's like squeaking back and forth. Just how like the sound effects of that squeaking is in time with like the music score as well too. And just all that all blends together. And it, it might've been actually part of the music score, but just how the, um, the sound was done for that entire scene. And, and I think they also do it too, when they're breaking out of the prison, when they're um, sawing the, the bars on the window, cutting through yeah. the bars, the, <laughs> just the rhythm of like the cutting and the chiseling. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I love shit like that. Yeah. And that actually the, the cable car scene, I think one of the funniest bits of the film is where he's like hanging on the cliff and Willem Dafoe is about to kill him. And the way this out of nowhere and quickly when zero like shoves him over the cliff and he's like, Jesus Christ, it's that quick (laughs) bit of action always makes me laugh because it's just hilarious. I like too after that. He's like, well, we have a a moment of silence for a man that's uh, died doing his duty to <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> they still give him a moment of silence. One of the scenes that I really liked is just after um, they got out of jail and Zero is going to pick up Gustav and it's their, their banter back and forth. And it's really interesting. One of the things that I really loved is that Zero came completely unprepared and it was so antithetical to everything that he had been taught by Gustav and the way that Gustav uh, approaches his job. And just like, you didn't bring my perfume. You didn't bring like any food. You didn't bring all of these, you know, three or four, maybe five different things that he had asked for. And I just thought that was a really like interesting mixed to see you know someone like zero who had taken so much pride in learning and becoming this really astute and being able to you know anticipate people's needs and then he just everything he forgot and uh, I, I just thought that was a really funny scene and that's a funny scene too because uh because that's like the one time that that gustav like loses his cool and so that's uh, I, it's funny because we were t- think, talking about scenes and i thought about that one too for that reason and then as that's all happening, um, you see the other the other prisoners that broke out just hijack that bus in the background and like murder the driver and steal it. Did yeah. anyone catch that? I love that part. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, there's so yeah, many. As, I really want to go like yelling at him. Yeah, I really want to go back and watch this again. I feel like there's like I actually want to sit and like watch like full like attention watch it a second time. 
Well, and I'm scrolling through quotes, and I feel that there were so many line, like one-liners and just turns of a phrase that I that I maybe caught in the moment, but I forgot about how awesome they are. Just the way that that Miss that Gustav talks the whole movie. Um, there's just so many, like the the scene when uh, after he's, you know, walking around with the porridge, and those guys bring him in, and he shares that he shares the, uh, shoot, what was the Mendels? They shares the Mendels. Ah, the Mendels. And. Uh, Harvey Keitel says, me and the boys talked it over. We think you're a pretty straight fellow. And he just goes, well, I've never been accused of right. that. Before, I appreciate the right. like, just, just so many funny little quips um, because he's just such a man of words that, uh, yeah, I think I have to watch it again to be able to catch all that again. There's one scene too in the near the beginning where we were talking about uh, in the Life Aquatic episode where um, – Wes has these moments of real life. It's when the author is in his study and his son comes in with the BB gun and shoots him. And you know, it's like, no, no, what the fuck? And then he, and then they just have him apologizing the next scene, being embarrassed. I, that, that one kills me every time I forget it's coming. And then it's just like, yeah, that's what your kid would do if you were being interviewed for some big thing. I love that scene. Did anyone think Boy with Apple was actually a good painting? <laughs> no, I remember at first, like, I thought Boy with Apple was uh, that nude painting that they had hanging above the fireplace. I was like, oh, that's an interesting name. <laughs> the, the, the nude painting is actually, I think it's hilarious how vulgar and, like, it's just so different that they take down Boy with Apple and they put that up, too. Yeah. Like, I, I think that that alone is just an awesome detail. Like, it's so gross. Just like a, a, the art style even, and it's just two spread-legged women. It's just so funny. Well, I'm glad that uh, that I could pick a film that everyone enjoyed. And I, I was flirting with uh, doing one of the claymation ones or doing you know one or both, so I'm glad that uh, I ended up going with this one. So like overall, then, it seems like this is probably the out of the four films that we've picked for Wes Anderson, this is probably everyone's favorite. Yeah, and I think the, the box office numbers show that it was probably everyone's favorite right this is the the most critically acclaimed one he's gotten yeah yeah this is like summer blockbuster numbers <laughs> yeah i think the correct order would be uh budapest uh life aquatic um she like life aquatic one um, or ten i did Tenenbaums and then uh, Bottle Rocket. Bottle oh. Rocket was not very good. Hey, with the conversations we had with Bottle Rocket, I know, you, I know you weren't there, Chris, but did anyone actually go back and rewatch that after saying they wanted to rewatch it again? <laughs> I haven't, no. I did have some conversations with my coworker who was part of the inspiration for me choosing it because he was ribbing me for not having seen it. Um, and and it, yeah, our conversations kind of made me want to go back and watch it again. I still kind of stand by what I said is in that it, it just feels like an incomplete or obviously the first Wes Anderson, but yeah, I'd probably put it at the bottom of my list too. Say so Chris. So what we did was we just kind of ripped on the movie, <laughs> almost the entire pod. And like we said some good things about it, but then after we were talking about it, we're like, Oh, we kind of want to go back and watch this now. <laughs> Even though it wasn't great. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it is bizarre, but that was just, that was just the vibe. <laughs> But then nobody nobody's done it yet, so it couldn't be you know that intriguing. We're too busy trying to yeah. prep for uh, our next that two could. movies. <laughs> okay, 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Movie Time Machine as we look into the film Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, before we go, I want to thank you for downloading this episode of Movie Time Machine and remind you that new episodes release on Fridays. You can also send us your questions, comments, and corrections via Twitter. You can find us at Movie Machine Pod. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.